Now I know Happy New Year once again, and thank you Cat Ministry for providing such a fantastic end of 2018 for the church. We were partying and having fun, so thank you so much for all of that. And of course you heard about the man who stole a calendar on December 31st, right? You know what he got? He got 12 months. He did, he really did. But I do have some New Year's tips for you just in case you have some resolutions. For instance, if if your goal this year is to lose weight, one tip, here's a tip for you. If you want to do that, what you can do is encourage your friends to gain more weight and therefore you look skinny, okay? If that's just a tip. Or perhaps because a lot of people are into reading. Right? Some, some people want to read more. So if you want to read more this year, here's a tip for you. What you can do is just put subtitles on your television. And you, you know, you get to read a little bit more. Right? Or for some of the IT guys and some of the, the creative guys, if you have a New Year's resolution, you can just make it 1080p. Right? Happy New Year! Happy New Year! So... Thank you for still loving me. In a few days, 21 of our teens go over to Australia for the teen camp, so that's going to be fantastic. And we wish you well. Go away, have a fantastic time, and come back and really energize the church with the zeal that you get over there in Australia. Many of our friends and family and members of the church are away holidaying and spending time there and here, but we do have many people visiting as well, so it still looks quite full. So praise God for that. So I'd just like to take a moment to introduce a few of our family and friends that are visiting from sister churches. Uh, since we couldn't have Gillen here any longer, we thought, well, why don't just bring his dad over? So Jim. Gillen's dad is here. If you could stand up, we just want to welcome you. Good to see you. Continue to pray for Gillen's grandfather as he's still recovering from his surgery, and that's why Jing is here to spend some time with him. We also have the Hackett family from the Oregon Church in the U.S., so if you guys could stand up. Welcome. And we also have Suk Young's friends and mom visiting from the Seoul Church. If you, if you could stand up, that'd be great. Uh, welcome to you all. And I think I saw a host of Duncan's family come in. Are they here? Uh, is that Duncan? Oh, that's his brother. <laughs> but uh, if you guys could just stand up just so we could welcome you and say hello to you. Um, of course, the Wilsons, Duncan and his wife, played a phenomenal role in our Hope Volunteer Corps, which was what a way to end a year. And it had an incredible impact. And some are even sticking around here. Michelle is still here. So she's... That, that's been awesome. So 2018 was a fantastic year. A lot of people converted into Christ. That's great. We ended the year on Hope Volunteer Corps. That was fantastic. 2019 is here. So we're ready to believe in the gospel more, more deeply, belong to a, a more Christ-centered community, and become more and more like Christ this year in 2019. So we're looking forward to see what the Holy Spirit does. On Sundays, starting today, we're going to start the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, turn over there, and we're going to start with this is really just a stretch this morning. We're going to look at a few verses. But as, as the book starts to warm up, it'll get more meaty. So this morning is just your pre-workout stretch to the book of 1 Corinthians. And then, and then for the heavy lifting on Wednesdays, we're going to study, wait for it, Leviticus. 
I know, I know, I know you've been waiting for a sermon on Leviticus. We're not going to go verse by verse. We're going to look at some of the important things from that book and really appreciate the New Testament sacrifice all the more once we stand, understand Leviticus. And then after we finish that series on midweek, we're going to look at a series on how we got the Bible, which is very important because if, if you're out conversating with people, at some point, someone's going to challenge the Bible. They're going to say it's been doctored, altered, it's not from God, etc., etc. So it's important to know how to have an intelligent conversation about the Bible. So we're going to have a series on how to really explore how the Bible came about, what it, how it was put together. That way you can talk to people when they have questions about the Bible. Does that all make sense? So Leviticus, the heavy hitter, and then how we got the Bible. But for this morning, we're looking at 1 Corinthians. Here, here's just a few quick notes about the city of Corinth, which will help you understand the church there and the letter that we're going to read. It was a very prosperous city. It's a Roman city city, and it was really obsessed with status, which that's similar to today, quite honestly. So it was very prosperous, very affluential, and they, they were really obsessed with traveling speakers. People who would kind of go city to city, were well-polished, were logical, refined, and so they would, they would really obsess over these speakers. And so when Paul comes into town, they use that same criteria to judge Paul. And when he speaks to them, and when he writes to them. And they were really, really big on promoting themselves and their personal rights. That was many, many years ago, but that's very similar today. This is kind of like a modern day letter to a modern day church. It was born, the church was born in Acts chapter 18. You remember when we studied the book of Acts, that's when it comes to life. Paul spends a long time there, about a year and a half, teaching the church. And what he's really trying to do is, is begin a new community. Because as it happens today, culture affects our Christianity, doesn't it? The way the culture thinks often can slip into the church and affect the way the church thinks. So what Paul does is he's trying to distance them from Corinthian culture and help them become more like Christ. Now the thing was, the church in Corinth, because they were from this very obsessive culture, they thought they knew everything. But what Paul says, you don't know what you don't know. That's what he's trying to teach the church in Corinth because they think we're gifted, we're enriched, we're spiritual. And Paul even says, you are very gifted church, but you don't know what you need to know. You don't know Christ and how it impacts your life. And so what happens in the church in Corinth, someone from Chloe's household, not Tyson, but someone from Chloe's household writes Paul a letter and says, hey, let me tell you, Paul, here's what's happening in our church. And you think people today say, oh, I don't want you to tell what's going on. Hey, there, there was some unspiritual stuff going on. They wanted to let Paul know, here's what's happening. That's from chapter 1, verse 11. And so they, they, they write Paul a letter, plus the church itself writes Paul a letter and says, here are some questions we have. Can you give us some answers? So Paul gets all this information and writes back the letter to the church in Corinth, which we have as 1 Corinthians. And so this morning, as we stretch and warm up our minds to the first few verses, we're going to look at one point, how grace ought to impact our daily lives. That's really the guiding question and the guiding thought throughout this book. 
as Paul will say, you've been given grace, but you're not living like it. And so grace ought to impact our daily lives. Let's pray. If you haven't already, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll pray and read some, some verses. God, we're so grateful to begin a new year. We're thankful that your mercies are new every morning. And we pray that we really understand them deeply, not, not just to vaguely generalize them, but to really have them impact our everyday life. We're grateful for your scriptures, which, even though written many years ago, still come to life today and still have relevance to today. And I pray that we become a community that's really centered on Christ and fueled by the Spirit and reaches this lost world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read the first nine verses and just talk about that one point, how grace impacts our daily lives. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 1, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Now you may not remember, but that's also a name in Acts chapter 18 of a guy that gets a beat down in front of Paul, Sosthenes, gets beaten publicly. And there's a lot of speculation that after he saw all this take place, he might have converted to Christianity, become a Christian in the church in Corinth. And so he's kind of informing Paul as well, here's what's going on in Corinth. If it's him or if it's not him, it's still important because Paul has a valuable source from the church saying, even your boy Sosthenes says there's some stuff going on that needs to be addressed. Starting in verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 4, I always thank God, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. So he does recognize this is a gifted church in some way. With all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to stop there and and stretch our minds a little bit. And I want you you to notice who He's writing this letter to. In verse 2, because it's important to know how it's being written and who it's being written to. In verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth. You'll see that on the screen there. So it does have some specific application to that church, to the church in Auckland. Most, if not all, of Paul's letters are very specific in that way. To the church in Auckland. To the church, to the future church in Wellington. To the future church in Tauranga. Whatever. So that's to the church in Corinth. But... As he continues in verse 2, you'll see the second half of it, together with all those everywhere who call on his name. Now this is the only time in one of Paul's letters that the application extends to the wider Christendom. To all those everywhere. Now, obviously, the Bible has application uh, here and today. But but in this case, he's writing it because there's issues that need to be addressed throughout Christianity. Now, here's a quick contrast 
to his other greetings and his other letters. In Romans chapter 1, it's, he's writing it just to the church in Rome. Romans 1 verse 7, to those in Rome. But here in Corinth, to those everywhere as well as Corinth. Galatians 1, 2, to the churches in Galatia. That's only to the, to the region of Galatia. Here in Corinth, it's everywhere. In Ephesians 1, 1, to God's holy people in Ephesus. Again, just to that church in Ephesus. Whereas Corinth, it's Corinth and everywhere. Philippians chapter 1, all God's holy people in Christ Jesus in Philippi. Same thing in Coloss. Same thing in Thessalonica. It's always normally just to the local church. But what we, what we learned from that is that the issues in Corinth needed to be learned throughout Christianity. So here, here's some problems, here's some issues that need to be learned everywhere. There's problems in Corinth, but everybody needs to learn how to deal with these problems. They're worth everyone's attention, in other words, is what Paul's saying. But to, to really key in on our idea of grace really impacting our lives, look at verse 4 in your Bibles or on the screen, whichever you prefer. Paul says this, I, I always, which is convicting in of itself, if you think about Paul always thinking about churches and giving thanks, I always thank my God for you. For what reason? Because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Now, at first read, that really doesn't sound out of place, right? That, that kind of sounds like good. I, I thank God for his grace given to you. But if you look at the way he introduces his other letters, we learn there's something he's actually trying to say to this church in Corinth. What's different from this and his other greetings is this. Look how he greets other churches. Now, remember, I thank God for his grace given to you. You got that? But here's what he says to the church in Rome. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ because of your faith. I thank God because of your faith. In Corinth, I thank God because of his grace given to you. Alright? Here's what he says to the church in Philippi. I thank God every time I remember you because of your, because of your partnership. We're so close. We're partners in the gospel. I thank God for it. Alright? In Corinth, I thank God because of his grace given to you. Alright? You get what he's saying here, right? Colossians 1 verse 5. We always thank God because of your faith. We've heard about your faith and we've heard about your love. Man, we feel connected. In Corinth, I thank God because of his grace given to you. All right? Same thing in Thessalonica. This time he multiplies it. We thank God because of the churches in Thessalonica, because of your faith, because of your hope, because of your love. We thank God for what's going on in your fellowship. All right? But it's a big difference. There's none of that. That's all absent. When he writes to the church in Corinth. When I pray, I thank God he gave you grace. <laughs> now, what's, what's he saying there? It's, it's interesting, isn't it? it? I'm just grateful that God has given you grace. What is he trying to stay, say? He can't really commend the church for any of the things he commends the other churches for. You know, imagine at my dinner table, I have three kids and I sit down and I say, I, want, I just want to share what I'm grateful for, for all of my kids. And this isn't like to any specific kid in case you're trying to figure out who it is here. All right. But I say, hey, let's just talk about, let's, I want to be grateful and I want to share my gratitude. And I look to one of my kids, and I say, I'm just so grateful for your kind nature, for your enthusiasm for life and, and just the way you're so concerned for others. I'm just so grateful for all of those qualities about you. 
And then I turned to my other child and I said, I'm just so grateful that you're just so brave. Even when you're scared, you still go through things and you're becoming brave. I'm so grateful that you're learning to have self-control. You're, you're learning to articulate when you feel sad. You're, you're, I'm just so grateful you're learning to have self-control. And I turned to my last child and I say, I'm just so grateful your mom feeds you. <laughs> And I'm so grateful your mom bathes you. And I'm so grateful she just takes care of you. You know, what message is being sent there, right? Like, man, you're a difficult child. I'm just grateful you're being taken care of. That's the point, right? And you see the difference. And so Paul, he's like, you know, I'm just grateful God has been gracious to you. Because there's so much mess going on. But I'm grateful. And, and, and this, that, that's, that's the core of it. Paul's saying, you guys have received so much grace. But you're not yet living up to it. And as we read through this letter, remember we're just stretching, but that's, that's kind of the key idea. As you read through this letter, Paul will say, here's how grace ought to impact your daily life in this area. And in this area. And in this area. And here's actually what you're doing in this area, in this area, in this area. I'm grateful God has given you grace, but you really got to live up to it. It really ought to impact and shape your daily lives. Look also at verse 2. This, this is interesting as he points out to the church in Corinth. He said, called to the church of God in Corinth, called to be his holy people. If you have an ESV or a different translation, the word holy people is one word in the Greek, hagios, which means saints. But it might be translated holy people in your Bible. Called to be saints. That's how he introduces his letter to this church. You guys are saints. Now that may not mean anything now. But as you start to get to chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. You realize who is he talking to? Is he really talking to that church? Are they really saints? Because despite what's going on, if you read through this, some of them are getting drunk at communion. That's really happening in the church. One of them is sleeping with his mother-in-law. And everybody knows about it, and nobody's doing anything about it. Lawsuits are being given out. Oh, you want to do I'll sue you, bro. Oh, yeah? Well, I'll sue your mom. <laughs> That's what's going on at Corinth. They had a lot of different preachers. All of them are trying to talk at once. Yeah. Talk over the other. They're divided. I follow this guy. I follow that guy. Well, I follow Jesus. Like there's this massive division in Corinth. Some of them say, hey, there's not even a resurrection. And so, you know, Paul looks at it and says, man, you guys are saints. It's like, man. You know, so is there a criteria to be a saint? Yes, you just have to have the Holy Spirit. All right, that doesn't mean you can live a messed up life. That's not the point. But the way Paul views them is, I'm grateful God has given you grace. You need to be living up to it. You guys are saints. That's crazy. That's crazy, his view of this wild church. And so grace, it should be life-altering, right? He's saying, man, you guys got all this going on, but it should be really having more of an impact in your life. You know this guy, right? He's a famous Kiwi actor. James Rolleston. And a couple years ago, he had an accident where he was driving recklessly and almost killed himself and his friend who was with him. And he had to be cut out. He's from the movie Boy, Deadlands, 
pork pie, maybe even a few other movies that, that Kiwis would be familiar with. But in any event, he was, pull, he was cut from the wreckage. He had to be pulled out of that. And it crushed his lower body from waist down, suffered a traumatic brain injury, which affected his speech. If you heard him after this, it was very slurred. His coordination skills and his decision making and his entire personality. And he pled, he went on on trial for this, he pled guilty to it, and this event altered his life. He, he was on a fast trajectory to stardom. This happened in 2016 when he had this accident. He was in a coma for four weeks, and when he woke up, he had a fractured leg and this brain injury where he had to relearn how to walk, how to talk, and basic skills like brushing his teeth. I mean, this event really radically changed his life. He didn't even know how to cut his food or get dressed. And so on a day-to-day basis, it didn't happen overnight, but because of this, it it altered his life. And day-to-day, he went into rehab, and he slowly learned all this stuff all over again. And it was a long two-year journey for him to recover. It didn't happen overnight, but that event altered his very life. In a negative way, but in a more positive way, grace is not just a nice interaction with Jesus that makes you a churchgoer. That's not what grace is. It's a life-altering event. Where you have to completely relearn what it means to be human. You're not colliding in an accident. You're interacting with a supreme being in the universe. And it should radically and ought to radically alter the way you think and behave. Not overnight, but over the long term, grace should be impacting your life on a day-to-day basis. You ought to be different tonight from who you were this morning. You ought to be different tomorrow from who you are today. And if you follow that trajectory, if you just improve bit by bit, day by day, by the end of the year, grace has really transformed your life. That's what Paul is going to say to this church. Look, I'm so grateful. God's given you grace and you guys are saints, but you're not living like it quite yet. Let me write a letter to instruct you on how grace ought to impact your life. If you're not a Christian, there's probably things about you that you're not quite comfortable with or that you're not, you don't like about yourself or you wish you could change. And I mean, not like your, your nose or your hair. I mean, like characteristics and they will never change without grace. You can try any worldly wisdom and it will only be temporary. Grace is the only thing that will alter your life for the long term. That's what Paul is communicating to this church. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. We think about grace, it's not just general where it impacts just, oh, I'm saved by grace. But it's very concrete, it's very specific, and it's very practical. And he'll walk through those things. And, and, and the Corinthians, again, he's trying to distance them from their culture. And as a church, that's what the trajectory we're going to be on. Trying to distance ourselves from the culture and become more like Christ. Yeah. 
as we try to understand grace more and more. One of the things about Kiwi culture that that we need to distance ourselves from is the suspicion of authority. Because God is an authority. Whether you like it or not. And I, and I get it. And, and, and over the past, and I've meditated on it and thought about it. And, 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 and what it does is it kind of makes you question, was that the right way? And I'm not talking about just me personally as a leader. I'm talking about just the suspicion generally of authority. And the kind of lack of respect for it. I mean, that's kind of the culture. But, but in the Bible, you can trust God. And he's the supreme authority. And if he puts someone in charge, you can, you can trust them because they're under God. And, and that doesn't mean you have to obey them and worship them. It just means I'm going to trust them because they're under God's reign. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can't question or think, is that the right thing? All of that's fine to do, by the way, especially if someone starts going rogue. But I mean that we, we have to distance ourselves. And, and every single decision that authority or leadership makes doesn't have to be analyzed or kind of scrutinized. You just trust God. That won't happen overnight, of course, and our church is not overall like that. But there are definitely pockets of that. And I believe that grace ought to impact our lives on a day-to-day basis where you start to trust God more and authority more. But that only happens by being transformed by grace, not just trying harder to trust authority. Another area I believe our church could, could be more constructive is in the area of discipling. That, that's where we really try to get in each other's lives, use the Bible, and say, You're, let's, let's help you become more like Christ. Because, again, not overall, but there are pockets in the church where they feel like, ah, I need this, let me choose somebody that helps me, and we need to be with this person, and have all these opinions about it. Which is okay to a degree, but at some point... It's got to happen. The point is it needs to happen in your life. It's not about who does it. It's about is it happening? Are you becoming more like Christ? That's the main goal, isn't it? And so we don't need to have all these kind of opinions about how it happens. Just is it happening? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you helping somebody else become more like Jesus? If not, then save all the opinions for something else, right? I, I think that's another area. And, and so as, as 2019 goes on, let's, let's, let's really reflect as individuals. How is grace shaping your life? In what ways is it really having an impact? I'm not talking about your parents telling you to do something, your Bible talk leader, church leadership. I'm talking about God's grace, that altered your life. How is it changing you on a day-to-day basis? And as a church, you know, there are, just like the church in Corinth was trying to distance itself, there are things about our church that can improve and be more constructive. Amen. That's true with every church. But the core of that is grace calling us to those. Just as Paul said, God's grace has saved you. You guys are saints. But I want to teach you more and more how to walk like this. In 2019, it's important for us to reflect on that. As an individual and as a church. And then we can all thank God because we've been given grace. And then we can genuinely have true constructive criticism for each other and for the church. Not just, I thank God that you've been given grace. Right? That's really not that encouraging. 
It sounds like it at first glance, but once you kind of think about it, that's not that encouraging. Rather say, I'm so grateful God has given you grace, and it's shaping your life on a day-to-day basis. Let us believe that we've been transformed by grace. Let us belong to a community shaped by grace. And let's become more and more like Jesus, spreading this grace to Auckland and New Zealand. Amen. Amen.